podcast, what is good? Uh, Weekly V005 on YouTube, youtube.com slash Gary V, V-E-E. Weekly V005, if you haven't been following it, probably the best feedback on anything I've done in the last two years has been the transition on YouTube from Daily V, occasionally, because it used to be daily, to this new format, Weekly V, which a lot of people are really enjoying. I like that we're launching it on Fridays. I, I literally, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all day on Twitter, people saying this has become a must watch for them once a week. They get to stay up to date with me because it's overwhelming everywhere else. A lot of you are probably listening to this because the podcast is easier to consume than the video stuff. This might be your way to get the visuals as well, which is obviously contextual. Weekly V005 is here. Texas uh, El Paso trip was there. Um, my, my Singapore not going there, but then video. Um, a really interesting internship was offered to a young man that jop, jumped in the back of my car. Uh, and so just in general, really good episode. I think you'll enjoy it. Go to youtube.com slash GaryVEE to watch Weekly V005. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What up, podcast? Today's episode is from the Jim Stangles CMO podcast, Super Bowl edition that him and Gary did in New York. They talk about brand marketing and some of the strategies behind VaynerMedia's Super Bowl commercials. So make sure to hit them up and let them know what you thought, and I hope you enjoy. Gary, where did you watch the Super Bowl? Uh, I watched it with my kids. So what's the beer you drank? None. Did not drink a beer, sorry, but it would be Budweiser. I don't recall if I drank it. Yeah, I think they do have a Bud Light Seltzer is a big <laughs> bet for them, and I, ho- I hope it goes well. Uh, yeah, I don't recall, I think. Maybe. No? Okay, no. Tell us about the sweater. Ah, uh, the sweater. So this is a replica of a sweater that in 1982, which was the first season I started rooting for the Jets, as many of you know, but some may not, I was born in the Soviet Union. I came to the US when I was a kid. And at first I lived in Queens and I actually went to Dover, New Jersey, which I rarely mention. We were there for a very short period of time. But I grew up in Edison, New Jersey. And in August of 1982, I went outside to find friends because for the people over the age of 40 here, they know how we did it. You just went outside and found friends. Um, And so I, I literally walked out the door and just walked around until I found these kids over this hill in this other area, maybe 10 minutes from my house, throwing a Nerf football. I walked up to them and they, this part's a little hazy. I definitely know that I did speak and understood English at this point, but it was early for me. I mean, this was super early for me and um, they asked me what team I liked. I didn't know and Eric Godfrey said to me, you're a Jets fan and that's how I became a Jets fan. (laughs) I, this was August, the season started in September. I watched every game with them or myself that season. Uh, If you're a hardcore football fan, you know that that is the year the Jets went to the AFC Championship game and lost to the Miami Dolphins 14-0 in the Mud Bowl, as it's known. Uh, The Jets lost 14-0, it was the first time I cried in a sporting event. The ironic part of this story that I know almost nobody here knows is the Jets lost 14-0 and the Dolphins had a linebacker, a linebacker who had three interceptions in the game. His name was A.J. Dewey. And from 1982 until 1987, literally there was not a name that I hated more than AJ. And then my parents had another boy and his name was AJ. (laughs) Which I think is just crazy. Me and AJ do great. I actually was in the Bahamas in a casino and over the loudspeaker it said, AJ Dewey, please come to the cage, AJ Dewey. And I thought, no way. And then on Google I found out that he ran the casino I was in. (laughs) 
Uh, anyway, I wanted, I wanted, so you know. the next slide. Let's talk about wine a bit, huh? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. I'm telling the story. I'm telling the story. <laughs> There's a punchline to this story, Jim. Is that what you're I know doing? you might be on a t- time crunch, but I'll go fast to the other part because this is the best part of tonight. Uh, for me, at least, selfishly. Um, I, I desperately wanted to fit in and like be the Jets fan and all my friends had a Jets jersey and I asked my mom for a Jets jersey but we were really, really poor. Like really didn't have much and there was no way we were gonna spend $25 on a Jets jersey. So at night, my mom knit me this sweater and I wore this every day of my life for six years. That's what this is. I still have it. It's in a safety deposit box, fireproof and when I buy the Jets, I'm gonna pull it out and hang it in the stadium. Awesome. Yeah, it's small. It's yeah. small. All right. Now I'm ready, Jim. Okay. Great. So what are you drinking? I'm drinking Empathy Chardonnay. Okay. Uh, this is a winery I started a little over a year ago, direct to consumer. Uh, again, a lot of familiar faces here, so I think a lot of people understand that I have a different point of view on how brand is built, let alone transactions happen in a 2020 world and. It's fun to have a project, me getting back into my roots. Some of you may know, I grew up in my family's liquor business, launched one of the first e-commerce wine sites in 1996. Much of what VaynerMedia is built on comes from using marketing to actually build a business, not pander to reporting. And, uh, and so it's fun to uh, have a brand that's doing extremely well off the gate and uh, that's what I'm drinking. This is fun if you're drinking it, enjoying it. It's a fun project because I called in all my 25 years of wine favors. We basically produced a $40 wine for 20 bucks. And so it's been, it was really actually devastating. All my friends that drank it and friends and business associates and partners, so many people's replies during the holidays was like, holy this is really, really good. And I was pumped and then I was like, oh, they thought it was gonna suck? Like, you know, so, so uh, it's been a fun project. So what's with the name, at the time that I created this brand, it was a word that started to populate a lot for me over the last three to four years. You know, I, I can't even really speak to why it hit my consciousness, but it is definitely the word that I think is the foundational strength to me as a person, and I would argue is the foundational strength of Vayner. We, we are deeply empathetic to the distribution channel of the creative, and more importantly, the mindset of the consumer when they actually consume our creative on the other side, and I think it is a huge, subtle strength of ours in comparison to most of the advertising that goes on in the world. Gary, why don't you talk a little bit about, you good? Talk a bit about your team, the Super Bowl this year, the brands you worked on, and I think you might have a bit of the work to show, but tell a little bit about how you feel about your team and what you did this year for the brands you're working on. So my ideal state is that we spend today until October, November, December, in putting out a significant amount of creative and use the quantum qual data against our business results to inform our decision for Super Bowl and the creative we put out. Not any of the three spots that we did were in that format. So as excited as I am and honored and a lot of people here within the industry, I'm sure everybody will recognize and I'm sure history will look back at in the history in this industry as this being kind of like the year that we had our coming out party and kind of took that step given my origin and our agencies. Um, it was an exciting exercise of classic advertising. You know, for us, um, the Sabra business, we had been on for a, several months, Kaylin. We had nine months leading up to it. Planters, we did the Super Bowl the year before and had been on that business. 
and then the Hard Rock Hotel piece kind of came together as a, a one-off pitch. Uh, and so all three came in different ways, none of which were wildly informed with this ambition I have of like how we put together the calendar of the entire year that leads to a remarkably better place to put yourself in a position to succeed. It's exciting that our creatives and strategists and everybody work together to ideate to the spots. I think planters probably had the most nuances in this volume, years worth of work, what were we doing with Mr. Pina and why, that led to the idea and the execution. Um, I'm super happy for the team. It's super fun for me because I'm pretty aggressively uh, opinionated on my belief that every commercial besides the Super Bowl is overpriced for the media you pay and what you get in return. It doesn't mean that when you spend a ton of money on TV you don't get business results. It's what would you do with that money in other places to get business results versus, there is no social media campaign for $5.2 million that can give me what Super Bowl can, which is America watching it. So that's how I think about the world. It's not demonizing traditional or things of that nature. It's how I think about actual, I, I don't spend much time in our industry. Like I spend all my time on end consumer behavior and that is where the leverage sits. So it was a fun exercise. I was happy, there was a lot of excitement. I was probably most excited about the war rooms at Vayner, the 100 employees that were at Vayner during the Super Bowl and like the teamwork and the efforts. You know, we were in a very interesting pickle. Um, Two of our three spots had to be altered because of the devastating news of Kobe Bryant's passing. The J-Lo commercial, for Hard Rock that I'm sure a lot of you saw, what, I, what I'm about to tell you that if you watched it and you remember it, the fact that that spot did not end with J-Lo getting into a helicopter with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which is a nod to airplane, and that's getting her to it, I'm sure you can imagine if you remember it or if we were to watch it, that was really putting the bow on it to tell you what was going on there. Taking that away puts you in a tough predicament and, and really what I was doing the whole Super Bowl is watching reactions to the spots and the, the sentiment from some, people love the Scooby-Doo thing with the two faces and things of that nature, but the sentiment itself is like, huh, no question, we could have used that ending. Um, and then the Mr. Peanut week was intense. As many of you know, we were probably on our way from educating the marketing landscape that you can have two Super Bowl spots for the price of one because of what we did. We showed the death of Mr. Peanut in social and digital, which I'm sure everybody, if they're paying attention, even if you're not in, let's talk about what I'm most proud of. People not in marketing knew what happened because it crossed the chasm. SNL, New Yorker, and every other media outlet. So we took a huge risk to run a Super Bowl spot on digital social a week before to set up our Super Bowl spot. As you can imagine, a lot of people here in the business, that's a risky move. We won it. And then one of the tragic events in our culture probably of this 50 year period from a star standpoint and what you have to do with it happens that is close enough to what we're doing that we have to stop the momentum of the ad spend because, we, because of humanity, by the way. Podcast, what's good? Do you eat food? That is a very simple question I have for you. Do you eat food? Now, if that food happens to be gourmet stuff, like delicious olive oils or cookies or that kind of random then you need to go to yummytex.com. Yummy, 
Y-U-M-M-Y-Tex.com. Gourmet foods at ridiculous discounts, just like wine text, but for olive oils, pastas, hot sauces, mustards, and other exotic candies and such, yummytex.com, the best place to buy gourmet food at ridiculously low prices. Because, and this is where I give an enormous amount of credit to Kraft Heinz, the humanity was the decision on the call to stop it. It just didn't feel right. And we watched the temperature, we, we had the plan and created a second spot. Uh, we watched the temperature. We felt it was appropriate after testing and common sense to move forward. We did. We're glad we did. I think Baby Peanut did what we wanted it to do. We're most proud because we're driving actual business results before we get to that point. Both of the CPG brands that we're working on had major business growth in January pre-Super Bowl. We'll see now what happens after. Uh, so, you know, listen, I think I'm a very, uh, very easy read. I am here to do business results. I really am. I love being creative. I love content. I love media. I love it. But, you know, if we're going to talk, like, I don't know what happens next and what you're, where you're going to take me, Jim, but, like, as I'm watching that, my, yeah, my, I'll set up what I'm going to say then. My subjective opinion on these spots is not interesting to me, let alone the thought of it being interesting to anybody else. I'm a singular human being who sang Can't Touch This 4,000 times in 1989 in eighth grade, so I like that spot better. The muscle-bound dude that is supposed to be thin, I don't even know his name. Right? Thank you. Jason Samoa? Momoa? I'm being dead serious, I'm not playing with you. I don't know who, I know who he is. I don't know his name until, like, so like, that means, but for somebody who thinks he's the heartthrob, and I know he, he's married or dating Bonet, right? Like something, right, so, so like, no, but, but this is the point, right? Our Sabra spot, Rob will tell you, our chief creative, our Sabra spot had 19 people in it. You know, I'm looking at Kaylin because she knows I was very close to it, who r- runs that account, Lisa. Like, I had very strong opinions of who was gonna get the biggest reaction, and, and I, th- not, not th- and, and by the way, this is Twitter, which is a, listen, Twitter, because of its format, gets a lot of attention, but Twitter does not represent everyone. Just because the people that mention Kombucha Girl or Booga the most doesn't mean that the people at home most under knew who Scary Spice was. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm very focused on what we're all doing here for our, I am petrified when somebody pays me money. Let, the, let it be very clear. When, when people pay us dollars, I feel a huge sense of responsibility. And when somebody's paying seven, eight million dollars for a moment, you know, nine, I'm worried. I want it to be good for business, not USA Today, Ad Week, Twitter, or us in this room said it was good. So Gary, we're only in early February. Last question for you before we bring the panel up. What are you really looking forward to this year for your companies? You know, we, uh, it's fun to have, you know, obviously you do the podcast in the Gallery Media Group. I think we're having, you know, Ryan and and the leadership team there has a really good thought about, we think that there's a a revolution around advertorial and other products like that. Vayner Media is, and I got to talk to you and some of the great panelists you're about to hear, we're looking at creative talent from places like 74-year-old Sally who used to work at JWT who lives in Morristown, New Jersey, wants to come and work on the creative team, we want her. 
uh, former NBA player for four years trying to transition into the next part of his life to put on some of the brands we work on. We want him. I think that Vayner is absolutely, and I mean this, going to become a historic figure in the ad world because we, I, am only comfortable in innovating around truth of end business results. So I think this is gonna be a transcending year. I think the three Super Bowl spots is probably a good indicator to what you're gonna see from us for the next year. And so we're, we're clearly ambitious, um, but we're wildly humble in the fact that we think this is about the consumer. We, I'm very proud of the key executives that we've done a lot of executive hiring. We, uh, we are consumer centric and this industry desperately needs that. It is in its own cocoon and that is hurting business and we're starting to run out of options. So I'm excited about continuing to operate. Thank you. Thank you. As we end today's podcast, I want to give a huge shout out to the people, you know, it's so funny, people that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm gonna have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So Dean, take it away. Which were our favorites this week? Thanks, Gary. Today's reviews, like fine wine, an excellent podcast with ridiculous value, written in by Chris Stacks and Ali and Juliet say. I have been listening to Gary Vee for years now and still love his content. The reasons that I still listen is because he is only getting better over time and he is still saying what needs to be said that most won't. Give it a listen and if you don't love it, it may have hit a little too close to home. And secondly, if you're now discovering Gary Vee, don't even hesitate to subscribe and find him everywhere on social. He will change your life, period. Thank you both so much for writing in and remember, keep leaving reviews because yours could be next.